Well, uh, it's about 6.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The show is Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. My co-host, uh, Jim Dwyer, will be back next week. He's got family business tonight. So, uh, yeah, I haven't done a solo show in a little while. These are always a little difficult to pull off, but obviously we have plenty of bizarre things to talk about. Uh, I think we're watching finally the <laughs> the beginning stages of the final meltdown of Donald Trump. It's important to realize, by the way, that this is this is going to turn out to be kind of kabuki theater, as they say. Even if he's impeached, he's not going to be removed. And you could tell over the weekend uh, that the GOP has developed a kind of a new talking point uh, about the phone conversations. Uh, wrong, but not impeachable. Troubling, but not worthy of removal from office. Meanwhile, of course, the investigations will continue and uh, there still were a lot of very troubling uh, developments over the weekend. It's interesting that there's another whistleblower, apparently, who did have first-hand information. So what's interesting about that, of course, is that that was one of the original talking points of the defenders of Donald Trump, that the information was second-hand. Uh, that prompted a lot of people, by the way, to explain to the American people what the purpose of the whistleblower law was and is. And today's uh, development about uh, Trump's announcement regarding Syria is uh, mighty strange indeed. Uh, you'll recall that his Secretary of Defense, Jim Mattis, resigned at the end of last year uh, because Donald Trump simply did not uh, inform him <laughs> of his goal to withdraw from Syria. And, of course, the president, in announcing this, is his, trying to rewrite the history books about what actually happened uh, regarding America's involvement in Syria and the idea that the Europeans should take over is uh, complete nonsense. Um, the United States went into Iraq in 2003 unilaterally. Uh, they did not... Um, get uh, authorization from the United Nations. You may regard this as a technicality, but it was at the essence of the uh, uh, resolution that was passed by Congress in 2002 that you still occasionally hear noise about from Bernie Sanders. Uh, of course, uh, we all hope that Bernie gets better quickly. Sounds like he'll be back on the uh, campaign trail uh, in a couple of weeks allegedly going to be in the debate for sure. So uh, he will uh, still get his money's worth one way or another. But he's brought up the uh, vote by Joe Biden regarding the Iraq war. And John Kerry kind of swatted this away back in 2004. He pointed out that the resolution he voted for was not an authorization to go to war. It was an authorization for George Bush to go to the U.N., and put pressure on Saddam Hussein through a multilateral process. Uh, George Bush failed at this. I noticed Condoleezza Rice was in Ann Arbor over the week. <laughs> and 
I doubt she answered any questions about the Iraq War uh, and her role in it. She, of course, was the National Security Advisor in George Bush's first term. The Iraq War was a unilateral war by the American government uh, because we overthrew Saddam Hussein, as despicable as he was, we are responsible as the occupying p power uh, in Iraq. I suspect that this Turkish announcement, uh, which effectively um, changed the subject quite, quite uh, well today, is the main uh, topic of discussion in uh, the media, uh, was also uh, timed uh, to coincide with the 18th anniversary of the war in Afghanistan. Uh, there was a very uh, damaging report last night about the consequences of America's role in Afghanistan. And although we did overthrow the Taliban at the time, the Taliban did not control Afghanistan. It controlled a big chunk of it, including the capital. We have ejected the Taliban from the capital. That's been one palpable accomplishment. But the problems in Afghanistan are overwhelming. And America's role in Syria is still uh, kind of murky, uh, that we're betraying the Kurds and that uh, there is now sort of Council of Foreign Relations criticism of Donald Trump's announcement uh, shouldn't surprise us uh, because I don't think Donald Trump has a very good understanding of what the problem in Syria really is. Uh, when one critic claimed that this is going to help Iran, Russia, and uh, Assad, uh, he's kind of telling the truth. And, of course, once again, we see a troubling phone call. Uh, Donald Trump allegedly spoke to Erdogan uh, yesterday. Turkey and the United States have had a lot of um, <clears throat> sort of a deteriorating relationship in the last couple of years for a number of reasons that I don't really want to get into at, the, at this point, but because uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the Ukraine and some of those updated developments. But uh, uh, Donald Trump ending the week uh, with this uh, sort of surprise announcement that I doubt had much uh, consultation with leading uh, people in the U.S. government is very troubling. And, of course, why would leading figures in the U.S. government be involved in this. Many of them are brand new to the job. Mike Pompeo is over in Italy um, and Greece, apparently sightseeing and issuing statements uh, defending his role in the Ukrainian um, shenanigans. And it's bizarre that William Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, is apparently globetrotting all over the world uh, looking for uh, some sort of evidence that backs up this wackadoodle conspiracy theory uh, that's been promoted for uh, many, many months now, mainly by uh, Rudy Giuliani and members of the Fox News media team. Let's also remember that um, <clears throat> a reporter who works for The Hill, called John Solomon, has written a lot of articles that are then reinforced into the media 
rinse cycle is what I want to call it. It's sort of like a spinning washing machine in which uh, Fox News reports what John Solomon reported in The Hill. Donald Trump retweets it because he watches Fox News all day. Uh, we've we've uh, learned long ago that Donald Trump normally spends his day with downtime, <laughs> uh, which is described as a period of time in which the president of the United States uh, watches television and relaxes. And he generally has these meetings uh, late in the afternoon, <laughs> as he did last week with the prime minister of Finland. Uh, watching the Prime Minister of Finland <laughs> grimace from time to time as Donald Trump at one point went into a Travis Bickle imitation act when he said, you talking to me? And, of course, Travis Bickle is the famous psychotic cab driver and taxi driver, um, played by Robert De Niro, who uh, is not a good friend of Donald Trump. Donald Trump was called by Robert De Niro a couple of years ago at an awards show a dog, a pig, a racist con man. I don't know what else he added, but uh, it was pretty remarkable. And I think he got most of that right on the money. Uh, I spent a little bit of the weekend kind of brushing up on uh, the Ukrainian uh uh, I guess you would call it mysteries of sorts. There are some very strange things about this. Uh, I looked mainly back at Trump's call with the Ukrainian president. Let's remember that Trump, the White House, the actual Donald Trump administration, declassified this call uh, after Nancy Pelosi announced that an inquiry into impeachment was going to occur. Let's remember that the inquiry into impeachment is not an actual impeachment vote yet, and that may be coming in due course. There have been numerous reports that Nancy Pelosi wants to get the vote done by uh, Thanksgiving one way or another. Uh, this inquiry into the impeachment allows the Democrats to exit this idea if they need it. And I made up a kind of a short list of Republicans who I thought might, in the Senate, might vote for removal. And it's a very short list indeed. A couple of these senators have actually publicly broken with the president in the last couple of days. People like Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Ben Sass. And I understand that today Rob Portman uh, came out and made a statement uh, not actually supporting the president noting that the call was improper, wrong, etc. But at the same time, they're, they've fallen back on this new talking point that what Donald Trump did was not impeachable, and uh, that is a matter of debate. But what I found interesting about last week's developments regarding the diplomats that were involved— uh, Ambassador or envoy, I guess special envoy Volker, was not was not actually an ambassador to the Ukraine. He was sort of a special representative who had particular expertise in the Ukraine, 
and had sort of uh, joined the force of the Trump administration to kind of assist with what really uh, appeared to be um, smoothing over new relations uh, with the new uh, with the new government under Zelensky. Uh, but what I found interesting was that um, ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sunderland, got involved in this whole mess. And it's very puzzling why he would even be involved in this operation. He is supposedly supposed to be in Brussels. Ukraine is not part of the EU. In fact, the whole thing that's fascinating about Ukrainian politics, and I read a little uh, textbook uh, type uh, nonfiction book called The Conflict in the Ukraine, What Everybody Needs to Know, by Sergei uh, Yek L. Shik. Yek L. Shik. Ukrainian names are always long. There's plenty of consonants, and sometimes it's difficult to actually discern how to pronounce them. So I'm sure he's, uh, that is basically his name. He's a professor of history and Slavic studies at the University of Victoria, uh, which means that he is probably Ukrainian. That could, of course, be Victoria in Australia. I don't know, but I'm assuming that he... uh, is a Canadian, doesn't have an axe to grind. And what he does is he gives a good primer about the absolutely remarkable roller coaster of events that have occurred in the Ukraine over the last decade. Uh, you know, the Orange Revolution, uh, the ascension of Yanukovych. I mentioned that name because Paul Manafort worked for Yanukovych for several years and was paid... Uh, well over $10 million for, quote, political consulting. His firm, Manafort, Black, and Stone, uh, were involved in uh, sort of cleansing the image of Yanukovych. Yanukovych is important because he was pro-Russian in his approach. And fundamentally, what you have with the Ukraine is you have a river called the Dnieper, um, that divides eastern and western Ukraine, and that these are very disparate uh, sort of ethnic and religious and linguistic parts of the Ukraine, which are kind of large. The eastern part of Ukraine, where the separatist movement is being supported by Vladimir Putin, is the part of the Ukraine that attached itself to the Crimea. And over a decade ago, or quite some time ago, um, Putin renegotiated a deal with the Ukraine, which allowed the Ukraine to get gas and oil at a discount in exchange for uh, the Soviet naval uh, base at Sevastopol to remain part of uh, something that the Soviet Union could use. Uh, Basically, they renewed the lease on the famous Russian base on the Black Sea. A comparable analogy would be the fact that the United States has a naval base in Cuba. Uh, People might be surprised by that, but when you hear about Guantanamo, 
Uh, that is actually a U.S. naval base that we retained uh, when we gave Cuba their full independence after we sort of liberated Cuba from the Spanish uh, government in the Spanish-American War uh, dating back to 1898. Well, Putin in 2014, late 2014, saw an opportunity to seize the Crimea, which he did. He annexed it, annexed the whole peninsula. It's the part of the Ukraine that kind of comes down and looks like a fat cherry stem that's hanging into the Black Sea due north of Turkey. Uh, the Crimean War uh, in the 19th century was fought mainly in that area. And the Ukraine is a very complicated country in terms of all of the imperial powers that have come in and out, the linguistic and religious uh, um divisions that occur there. And the fact of the matter is this is a very difficult ethnic situation, historical situation regarding, quote, Ukrainian nationalism versus the Ukrainians that live in the East who are much more sympathetic to the Russians. They're Slavic. They are uh, um, tend to be... Uh, uh, followers of the Eastern Orthodox religion, the Greek-slash-Ukrainian Orthodox Church, whereas the people in the West who are closer to Hungary and uh, Poland um, are tend to be Catholics. Tend to be, They were part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire at one point. So many of these provinces in the Ukraine are uh, very unique in and of themselves. And because the Ukraine had very rich soil, probably due to the uh, the infamous uh, break in the Sea of Azov that created the Black Sea. This is another interesting archaeological uh, thing that's going on if you follow uh, science. They've found ancient cities that, that are underwater in the Black Sea that used to be part of a coast, a, a land coast, that, that got flooded out very sudden very suddenly, uh, how many people died and the artifacts that are down there are still being explored, and it's a very interesting story in and of itself. Uh, but when you begin looking at some of these new developments uh, regarding uh, these ambassadors, I found it very interesting that Ambassador Sunderland used the phrase quid pro quo, uh, in one of his text messages, in which he admonished the incoming Ukrainian ambassador, Mr. Taylor, uh, that he, quote, didn't, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, he, paraphrasing here, he didn't understand uh, the, 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 the uh, motives of the president, that the president says there's no quid pro quo. Now, Ambassador Taylor, who comes out looking pretty well from all this uh, sorry stuff, was very troubled by the uh, strong arming of the Ukraine, and he knew what was going on rather quickly, uh, that he didn't agree with the fact that aid, military and economic aid, should be linked uh, to uh, investigating Joe Biden. And also, what's kind of emerged, is that uh, Trump was withholding a meeting uh, Zelensky really wanted to have a meeting at some point with Donald Trump directly. This is discussed in the J July 25th call 
uh, on a number of occasions. And uh, Zelensky, of course, tells the president at one point that um, we can meet in Poland uh, in September because he found out that Trump was scheduled for a state visit in Poland. A visit, by the way, that the president canceled. He ended up sending Mike Pence. He canceled the meeting because he claimed that he wanted to monitor the the hurricane situation involving Dorian. Uh, he'd never shown any concern about hurricanes before that. Uh, that's when he briefly turned into a weatherman and uh, found a Sharpie to redraw a map of the United States <laughs> regarding the impact of the hurricane. Uh, he ended up looking like a fool. Uh, Secretary of Commerce uh, William Ross got into the strong-arming action of one of these oligarchs by pressuring people at the uh, National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, uh, that does some real scientific work um, to not contradict the president uh, in public about the events that what ha- about what actually happened. Well, Zelensky, of course, is very interested in the direct meeting. And when you reread the, the, the call itself, he, of course, spends most of his time flattering the president, uh, while the president, of course, makes repeated erroneous statements about aid to the Ukraine. Uh, at, on a number of occasions, by the way, he, he takes Angela Merkel to task, claiming the Germans are doing nothing. Uh, I'll just read an, a, a sentence here. Um, he says, uh, I will say that we do a lot for the Ukraine. We spend a lot of effort and a lot of time, much more than the European countries. This is Trump to Zelensky. Much more than the European countries are doing, and they should be helping you do more than they are. Germany does almost nothing for you. All they do is talk, and I think it's something that you should really ask them about. When I was speaking to Angela Merkel, she talks... uh, Ukraine, but she doesn't do anything. Well, I'm not too sure what she's supposed to do, uh, because this oil and gas, by the way, that that Russia has been selling to the Ukraine at a discount over the last uh, decade, is then resold to Western Europe primarily. It allows Ukraine to take a cut, and this is why we have all these oligarchs in the Ukraine, the oligarchs that worked uh, with um Paul Manafort Paul Manafort most of his much of his consulting from 2004 until he became campaign manager for Donald Trump consisted of work for the Ukraine well I want to correct the president's uh impressions here uh one of the things about this call to me is is how utterly uninformed the president is about many of the issues we know what the president is interested in. He's interested in the, quote, dirt on Biden. Um, he keeps claiming uh, and has kept claiming, oh, there's dirt there. Uh, Ukraine needs to investigate it. I think on Thursday he even invoked China, of, of all things, and even claimed that uh, the Biden's dealings with China were even worse than the Ukraine. 
I don't know what that's based on. There's no factual information that any of this is true. Trump gets confused about the prosecutor in question. And by the way, this new uh, uh, man in the news, Lutsenko, uh, was replaced in August by Zelensky. In other words, Zelensky actually is conf- is not confused himself. He tells Trump, I'll appoint my own man at one point, and I also plan to surround myself with great people. And in addition to that investigation, I guarantee, as the president of Ukraine, that all the investigations will be done openly and candidly. That I can assure you. There he's reassuring Donald Trump that he's going to get to the bottom of this. Trump is continually insistent on that. And, of course, at one point, Donald Trump shows his ignorance by claiming uh, this remarkable thing. And I'm quoting the president here from this uh, facsimile of the transcript. I would like Uh, You to do us a favor, though, because the country has been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say CrowdStrike. I guess uh, you have one of your wealthy people. The server, they say, Ukraine has it. Uh, There are a lot of things that went on, the whole situation, I think, You're surrounding yourself with some of the same people. I would like to have the attorney general call you or your people and would like you to get to the bottom of it. Now, of course, this is all nonsense. CrowdStrike is an American cyber company that investigated the Russian hacking for the Democratic uh, DNC when it occurred And they pass their information on to American intelligence. In other words, the Ukrainian thing, the whole fictitious story is complete nonsense and rubbish. Trump keeps repeating this. He then goes on to say in that same little section, as you saw yesterday, this whole nonsense ended with a very poor performance by a man named Robert Mueller, an incompetent performance. But they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. Whatever you can do is very important that you do it, if that's possible. Now, of course, the reason that he mentions Mueller is that this phone call occurred at 9 o'clock the very next day after Mueller testified in July. So the first thing Donald Trump did uh, when he started his day, he normally takes executive time. But here, he goes out of his way to call the president of the Ukraine. And as for his assertion that Europe does nothing for the Ukraine, uh, as usual, Donald Trump is wrong. Uh, Nothing uh, surprising there. Uh, Because he's misinformed about so many things, it's it's very difficult to sort out uh, with with him what's true and what's not. I think the number of lies that Trump's up to is now up over 12,000. And in the last couple of weeks, it's it's really gone into hyper hyper speed. Uh, it's 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 remarkable what Trump uh, is keeps throwing out there, hoping uh, to keep the base in order and uh, protect his presidency. And as I say, by the way, 
uh, I don't think Trump is going to be removed. They simply don't have the votes for it. Um, maybe impeached, I don't know. It really doesn't matter. Congress deserves and has a right under their constitutional responsibilities to look into questions about Donald Trump's um, national security bona fides. How interesting that the uh, second whistleblower has been described as an intelligence official with, quote, firsthand information. And we know that the investigation is not limited to... Um, Adam uh, Schiff and the Intelligence Committee. Uh, there are subpoenas and there are witnesses that include the following. Michael Flynn, John Kelly, former uh, White House Chief of Staff, Rod Rosenstein, uh, Corey Lewandowski, who appeared a couple weeks ago, and David Pecker, um, who's, quote, uh, the head of American media who took part in a hush money scheme these are witnesses that Gerald Nadler, head of the Judiciary Committee in the House, is looking at. I should also add, by the way, that the whistleblower complaint, if you actually read the thing, which is just still a remarkably dense and complicated document, is not just addressed to Adam Schiff. It is addressed to Richard Burr, who is the chairman of the Select Committee on Intelligence in the United States Senate. So the United States Senate is looking into this stuff as well. So uh, Donald Trump's efforts to cut this off at the pass are simply not going to work. And as for the aid to the Ukraine that Trump keeps bragging about, this is what was reported on the 25th of September uh, by the usual fact checker in for the New York Times, Linda Q., she writes, President Trump, in responding to reports that he had directed his staff to freeze military aid to the Ukraine uh, before he pressed the country's president to investigate unsubstantiated corruption involving Biden. But Trump is wrong. The other countries do contribute to the Ukraine efforts to counteract Russian aggression. Aid across different countries is difficult to compare, but there is because there's no single publicly accessible uh, source that aggregates all forms of assistance. In 2018, a report from Chatham House, a British think tank, finds that the Ukrainian Union, European Union, and its member states are the biggest donor to Ukraine, quote-unquote. The Congressional Research Service estimated a higher figure than the OECD for the United States' contribution of $1.3 billion to the Ukraine and $600 million in security assistance from a period of 2013 to early 2017. So this is aid, by the way, that was occurring under the Obama administration, not under the Trump administration. And the fact that um, Trump withheld the aid as part of a bargaining chip after all, Donald Trump loves to make deals, loves to talk, keep 